0: Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the Executive Director of the Massachusetts Bible Society. This is the Spirit Walkers devotion for Sunday, September 21st, 2008. I want to apologize that I didn't put out anything last week. Uh, It was a very, very busy weekend and then beginning of the week, and there just wasn't the opportunity. So I'm back this week and this is a special election issue. I truly believe that nothing matters more at this moment than that we Americans get this election right, and early voting will begin in some states next week, and so here I am. My prayer is that we can get beyond partisanship, and I have struggled with if and how to talk about our collective future in a way that honors a bipartisan spirit while not neglecting the role of the Church to speak prophetically in perilous times, which I believe describes our times as an understatement, even. But what I have to say here doesn't reflect the views of the United Methodist Church. It doesn't reflect the views of the Massachusetts Bible Society. This is what I think. And what I settled on to try to strike that balance is here. Uh, in the email version, I have a link to an article by a card-carrying Texas conservative, uh, Wick Allison, who's the editor-in-chief of D Magazine, magazine for the Dallas area, uh, explaining his decision to vote for Obama, and my email response to him. Uh, Mr. Allison's piece ran in D Magazine in September. I couldn't find an exact date on the email Um other than it being in September. It's titled, A Conservative for Obama, and I'll read you this piece by Mr. Allison first, and then go to the email that I sent in response. The little uh, subtitle, if you will, for his piece is, My party has slipped its moorings. It's time for a true pragmatist to lead the country. So Mr. Allison writes, The more I listen to and read about, quote, the most liberal member of the U.S. Senate, unquote, the more I like him. Barack Obama strikes a chord with me like no political figure since Ronald Reagan. To explain why, I need to explain why I am a conservative and what that means to me. In 1964, at the age of 16, I organized the Dallas County Youth for Goldwater. My senior thesis at the University of Texas was on the conservative intellectual revival in America. Twenty years later, I was invited by William F. Buckley, Jr. to join the board of National Review. I later became its publisher. Conservatism, to me, is less a political philosophy than a stance, a recognition of the fallibility of man and of man's institutions. Conservative respect the past, not for its antiquity, but because it represents, as G.K. Chesterton said, the democracy of the dead, It gives the benefit of the doubt to customs and laws tried and tested in the crucible of time. Conservatives are skeptical of abstract theories and utopian schemes, doubtful that government is wiser than its citizens, and always ready to test any political program against actual results. Liberalism always seemed to me to be a system of oughts. We ought to do this or that because it's the right thing to do, regardless of whether it works or not. It's a doctrine based on intentions, not results, on feeling good rather than doing good. But today, it is so-called conservatives who are cemented to political programs when they clearly don't work. The Bush tax cuts, a solution for which there was no real problem, and which he refused to end even when the nation went to war, led to huge deficit spending and a $3 trillion growth in the federal debt. Facing this, John McCain pumps his conservative credentials by proposing even bigger tax cuts. Meanwhile, a movement that once fought for limited government has presided over the greatest growth of government in our history. That's not conservatism. It's profligacy using conservative as a mask. Today it's conservatives, not liberals, who talk with alarming bellicosity about making the world safe for democracy. It's John McCain who says America's job is to, quote, defeat evil, a theological expansion of the nation's mission that would make George Washington cough out his wooden teeth. This kind of conservatism, which is not conservative at all, has produced financial mismanagement, the waste of human lives, the loss of moral authority, and the wreckage of our economy that McCain now threatens to make worse. Barack Obama is not my ideal candidate for president. In fact, I made the maximum donation to John McCain during the primaries, when there was still hope he might come to his senses. But I now see that Obama is almost the ideal candidate for this moment in American history. I disagree with him on many issues. But those don't matter as much as what Obama offers, which is a deeply conservative view of the world. Nobody can read Obama's books, which, it is worth noting, he wrote himself, or listen to him speak without realizing that this is a thoughtful, pragmatic, and prudent man. It gives me comfort just to think that after eight years of George W. Bush, we will have a president who has actually read the Federalist Papers. Most important, Obama will be a realist. I doubt he will taunt Russia, as McCain has, at the very moment when our national interest requires it as an ally. The crucial distinction in my mind is that, unlike John McCain, I am convinced that he will not impulsively take us into another war unless American national interests are deeply threatened. Every great cause, Eric Hoffer wrote, begins as a movement, becomes a business, and eventually degenerates into a racket. As a cause, conservatism may be dead. But as a stance, as a way of making judgments in a complex and difficult world, I believe it is very much alive in the instincts and predispositions of a liberal named Barack Obama. That ends Mr. Allison's piece, and I read that this morning and sent this email response to Mr. Allison. Dear Mr. Allison, Thanks so much for this piece, which I found through a friend's link on Facebook. I'm a Massachusetts liberal clergywoman so voting for Obama is a natural for me. As a Democrat, I'm naturally pleased to see a conservative recognize the strength of this ticket. But I appreciate your peace on a much deeper level than the vote it represents. Shortly after 9-11, I began to notice that my friendships with Republicans were strained. Issues that were once fodder for a fine debate shifted into a litmus test for whether I was a traitor to our country or not, and, most painfully, whether or not I was truly a Christian. I realized I was falling into a rabbit hole, down to a universe where intelligence and critical thinking were reasons to disregard a person's opinion, and where torture was the mandate of God for our enemies. When I said otherwise, my faith and my patriotism were put on the chopping block. During Bush's first term, I was angry, and while I saw clearly through the lies about Iraq, I didn't notice that I was swallowing the lie that such behavior was what it meant to be a Republican. As the interminable Bush years wore on, and some Republicans began to speak out, my eyes cleared a bit. We've not had a Republican administration over the past eight years. We have had tyranny. With that realization, I began to mourn not just the loss of my friends, but the loss of the grand old party. I remembered that there used to be real issues to debate about the role of government and how to balance state with federal authority. There were substantive differences in discussions about trade and corporate practice and whether workers themselves should become a corporate counterweight through participation in a union. I remembered those differences because my parents were Republicans. Republicans who fought with all they had to allow the first black family to move into our all-white small town and into our all-white church. They were Republican teachers who did not join the union at the high school where they taught and who worried long into the night about whether to cross the picket line when their friends went on strike. They didn't cross. They served coffee. But by the time that my mother was being diagnosed with Alzheimer's a few years ago, the neurologist came out of her exam and said, Well, she did pretty well on the quiz. She couldn't name the current president, who was Bush, but that's because she wouldn't let his name cross her lips. I remembered that in the days when it was not treasonous to debate substantive issues and patriotism meant more than wearing a flag pin, sometimes I had been swayed by the particular package brought by a Republican and had voted for that ticket. When John McCain won the primary, I initially felt some relief. At least the days of torturing people are done, I said to myself. I thought that perhaps there would now be a real choice between a Democrat and a Republican. Unfortunately, that hope faded and was finally nailed shut with the choice of the inexperienced theocrat, Sarah Palin. Now I go to sleep with the anxiety of Thomas Jefferson, as he said... I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. But when I wake up to find thoughtful conservatives like you willing to speak out to a flock of listeners that I cannot reach because I'm a liberal in Massachusetts, I have this um, audacious hope, a hope that if we can send both this administration and the ideological tyranny it represents packing, Perhaps the grand old party can recover its roots. Maybe the division will melt into difference, and Republicans and Democrats can once again be both friends and sparring partners. Maybe it will again be acceptable, even desirable, to have an education, read books, and be able to articulate the complexity of global issues. Maybe I will no longer have to apologize for my nation when I travel overseas. Who knows? I might even wear a flag pin. Thanks so much for your thoughtfulness and for your conservatism. As I vote for Barack Obama in this election, in my own odd way, I'm voting for Republicans, for the one person who can give the Republican Party a chance to recover its standard so that in future elections there might be real choice, real debate, and real democracy. And then I sign my name. That's not an explicitly religious thing to write, but it is deeply rooted in my faith. Wherever you come down this election season, there is nothing you can do more important this November 4th than to exercise your right to vote. And something that important should always be preceded by prayer. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walkers. Hope to see you again next week, at least in as much as I see you through this podcast. Take care and have a good week.